spiritual blitherings, philosophical ponderings, and everything rambling at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. I am Woodrow II. As you know, my dad is the Hopeful Humanist, and this is a Just Some Guy production. In this episode, we will have a few clips from my dad's friend, Captain Jack. Captain Jack will share a few thoughts about skunks. I should set the scene. My dad has already had many encounters with skunks on our property, and most of them appear to be happening close to our shed. So in this episode, Captain Jack will explain a few tips about how to keep yourself protected, but also embrace the skunk as a fellow creature. So Jack, what you got for us? Peace out. Holy Steve, the skunk. I remember we saw a lot of those <coughs> at University of Dallas. And if you shine a light on them, yeah, they, uh, they don't like that. And they turn their ass towards you and start jumping up and down on their back legs a little bit. But here's what to do about a skunk. Because you're saying, can they spray? They can spray, I think, like about 50 or 60 feet. So what you do is you got to rush them. So when they put their ass in your direction, you just run right toward them. And pick them up. And you stick your finger in their butthole. <laughs> but you got to... Uh... <laughs> like, uh, you got to um, really look at their butthole close. So you stick your finger in it correctly. <laughs> oh, Steve. And I just have been... I've waited 15 minutes or more to tell you that because... I don't know why I thought of that, but I've been just crying here in the car with laughter. Almost. <laughs> the advice on dealing with the skunk. Okay, so that was the first clip of two from Captain Jack, and that was uh, insightful. Um, it was something. Actually, it was it was great when I first listened to that when. Captain Jack sent that to me because as at a point when I was struggling with uh, my concussion that I didn't have a lot of humor going on and that was when I when I listened to him share that with me and that's the edited version uh, but when I listened to uh, the unedited version I had the experience of with my wife a hearty guffaw because of all the silliness in terms of his attempt to present it with a straight voice at, at, at the beginning and, and everything just fell apart. So that was, uh, was something I appreciate. Now, I, I decided to include it in an episode because uh, humor is an important thing. Humor can go in different directions. Humor, what's funny for one person might not be funny for another. So if that became uh, uncomfortable to listen to, I apologize. But I, I have to say it was a, it was a gift that Captain Jack gave me. So that was the first of two clips I want to include as the humorous portion of this uh, particular episode to start things off. Uh, episode 31, Nebulous Novels. But uh, my youngest son, Blazing Phoenix, he, he was not so convinced, Captain Jack, that that, that was a seaworthy suggestion worth following. He, he, he's not convinced. <laughs> So uh, good for him, I, I must say that. Uh, the uh, there's a little bit more I think I should offer before uh, for clip number two for yet another little hopefully a bout of humor, and uh, that relates to um, our shed to give us a little bit more context than uh, 
Woodrow II did. And, you know, thank you, Woodrow II, for another incredible introduction. But I, I must add that that was an original, spontaneous piece that he put together, Woodrow II, because my wife, my beautiful, wonderful wife, who just always gets things done and is always on top of things, uh, she brought to my attention that even if you play a little bit of a clip of uh, music that has been written by someone else, and even if you give them um, acknowledgments, there might be some copyright stuff going on there. So I'm going to put a hold on introducing any more of my episodes with some uh, musical pieces that uh, Woodrow II is enjoying as he goes to his piano lessons. And he's just going to throw some things together playfully. And if this is a podcast that embraces a number of things, and one of those things is creativity, then, you know, that's a great opportunity just to get the creative juices flowing. So a long introduction to a couple more details here. So we have the shed in the background, in the, in the backyard. And we have, I have had about three run-ins with a skunk. And I got nothing against skunks, but I don't want to be sprayed and I don't want my boys to be sprayed or my wife to be sprayed or anyone that comes for a visit to be sprayed. And uh, it, it appears that the, the skunks could be or have had moments where they took some temporary lodging under our back shed. And so my thought was block the entrances so that they can't, he, she, it, they, the, the, you know, the skunk or the group of skunks, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm seeing the same one all the time, um, cannot access underneath uh, the shed as a, as a place to live. And I shared that with Captain Jack. And uh, he shared something with me that I just, I just, it made me laugh. So um, here's the second clip. And uh, this now is not how to keep yourself safe from skunks. This is how you can, this is food for thought. This is a, this is a gentle criticism that uh, Captain Jack's offering to me in terms of rethinking uh, my relationship with uh, the skunk or skunks. So uh, take it away, Captain Jack. Wow, Steve, you are the Donald Trump of skunks. Building walls to keep skunks out. You know what? Those skunks are just looking for a better life, man. Like, seriously. All they want to do is take care of their families, just like you. I bet you probably really want to build that wall because you own a huge construction real estate company. Don't you? Don't you? Why you? Well, thank you, Captain Jack, for some humorous thoughts to start off episode 31 which I guess I'm going to call skunks soliloquizing and nebulous novels, or perhaps in the cloud novels, and we'll get to that. So our word of the day comes from Captain Jack. It's soliloquizing. So I like to be creative with English, and so perhaps that's not actually a word, but uh, in a conversation I had recently with Captain Jack, he used soliloquy in a contextual sense that it was feeling like a verb. And I like that. 
And I think today that this is an appropriate word of the day to kind of capture what the remainder of the episode is going to be like. There's going to be soliloquies going on in terms of connecting novel first sentences. So according to Oxford Dictionary, soliloquy is a noun. It's not a verb. And it is defined as an act of speaking one's thoughts aloud when by oneself or regardless of other hearers, especially by a character in a play. And the example they have here is Edmund ends the scene as he had begun it with with a soliloquy. Okay. The quote for today. So we're going to have kind of a, a discussion that I haven't really had before in terms of this idea of in the cloud novels, nebulous novels. And as we explore possible ways to connect a couple of novel first sentences, and I'd invite you, and I think I put it in the show notes, that before listening to this episode, come up with your own novel first sentence, something that just kind of resonates within you, something that just wants to come out, that wants to spill over into the world, and just kind of put that on the back burner for now. So hopefully you've done that. And then we're going to have what might be um, the interaction of three novel first sentences. I will just be working with two. And then uh, I will add a novel first paragraph in terms of trying to link two characters from these two different novel first sentences. So my thought was, well, what could I offer as a resource in this episode? Because I'm always trying to provide helpful and convenient links for people. So I'm going to leave some information about uh, skunks, how to you know, get skunks off your property if you're dealing with that as a problem like I have been. And additionally, I want to offer a link to a, a book that's called The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. And so the, there, I took a quote from that book, which I guess is he had a gathering of people, a seminar, a conference. And the discussion that unfolded was then turned into a book. And uh, he started that conference, that, that uh, assembly of souls by sharing this thought. The quote goes as such, I believe the very purpose of life is to seek happiness. That is clear, the Dalai Lama. So I'm trying to think of as a resource what I possibly could offer as a thought to some of the characters we're going to talk about in today's In the Cloud novel or the Nebulous novel. I'm kind of cautious about uh, using the term nebulous now, because I think there's a series of books, uh, some uh, a novel series that is actually called Nebulous. And it's uh, not what I'm attempting to refer to. I'm trying to create this playful idea that we can maybe, through discussion, talk about and, and create in the process an unfolding story that manifests itself across time in terms of the 
discussion we're starting today and future discussions in other upcoming episodes. So it's like, it's nebulous. It's not like you can go to a book and open the pages and you're like, this story's there. No, it's more of an oral experience that transforms as the conversation continues. And I find that quite exciting. So in terms of these characters that we might be, that I'm going to be discussing today in terms of the nebulous novel or in the cloud novel, I wanted to offer the characters a resource for them as they deal with some kind of shared struggles. And I thought this book would be a great book to share with them. And I got that quote out of there that underneath uh, the busyness of life, uh, you know, puttering about uh, the rat race, as I often talk about, uh, that we, if we look clearly, if we still ourselves, there is this desire to seek happiness. And now the question becomes, you know, what, what is happiness? You know, how do you define it? And then what are the different strategies that we might be able to use to kind of create a structure or lifestyle, uh, lifestyle decisions that we can make that can allow us to approach this thing, this nebulous thing called happiness. And so I will include that in the show notes. But we just got a couple of little unfinished things that we need to address. So I've in previous episodes identified that I do not have a monopoly on the truth. And I keep going back to that because I never want to give this suggestion by any means that uh, I have um, uh, an authority to declare or uh, reveal things that others might not uh, be aware of. I'm just some guy. This is just a, a just some guy production. People sharing with people, people sharing inspirations with one another, people sharing resources with one another. So I'm always encouraging people to be critically reflective in terms of anything that I might share. And I identified this uh, specifically in the critically reflective citizen of uh, today and tomorrow, that you know you, you need to go and do your fact fact checking. And so uh, Captain Jack, he shared some, he shared a thought with us and I was like, okay, I'm not going to take it at word. I'm going to do some fact checking here. And I included uh, a resource a link for you to listen to yourself in terms of um, information about skunks. But Captain Jack suggested skunks can spray 50 to 60 feet. And that's not the case they usually will spray up to a distance of around 15 feet. So that's a pretty big difference in terms of any defensive maneuvers you might need to do, you know, in terms of uh, how close you are to the skunk. You know, if you're, if you're at 50 feet, it would seem like uh, you're, in a, you're, in a, you're at a safe distance when it's uh, turning its hindquarters in your direction and stomping its feet. But as long as you don't freeze and you move and back away, Apparently, it's not going to spray because it's a defensive maneuver to spray. Okay, so we uh, I, I made sure that that uh, misinformation um, uh, was uh, clarified. So now, in episode 29, I believe it was, Daniel Sun offered us a novel first sentence. And I found it really intriguing. 
and I didn't want to give comment on it. I believe it was in the episode on the quote off. And the novel first sentence that uh, Danielson offered goes as such. The mirror conjured a new testimony of age, evidence of a deeper parenthesized mouth that launched a regret-flavored reverie as he scrutinized his disturbingly unrecognizable face. Wow, I think a lot of stuff's going on there. I, I and, and in terms of this in the cloud novel or the nebulous novel, I, I was thinking, well, you know, can I possibly link that sentence with the sentence I offered as a novel first sentence in episode 26, Mindfulness is Hard, and it's from a previous attempt at a Twitterture novel. And that novel first sentence goes as such. Janice was a psychonaut who decided to put down his flight plans after a bad trip that woke him up to the dream he had been living. He realized the real business in life was a spiritual journey and he had been living in bad faith. Got a little sardy in there at the end with that bad faith stuff going on. So we have these two sentences now, uh, you as the listener, perhaps you have had the opportunity, the occasion to create a novel first sentence that you can bring to this moment. And the, in terms of creating and creating activities or opportunities where we could try to be creative, my thought was that in this moment, perhaps I could figure out how I might be able to uh, interpret um, from my limited two eyeballed perspective, Danielson's quote, and then link it with uh, the novel first sentence that I shared in episode 26. So I'm going to start off with the sentence offered by Danielson. I feel at this point, I don't want to give this character a name. I feel like uh, that's something that's still waiting to uh, be discovered. I picture this moment as a moment that was intensely experienced, but now it's in the past. And this character, when I was talking with my mom about the way that she interpreted the, the, the thing that caught her the most was that this uh, recognition of uh, estrangement seems to have just happened in, in a very shaking way that a person was living one's life, doing one's thing, getting in the car, going to work, driving, talking, interacting with people. And then there comes this moment when all of a sudden, boom, things changed. And, and I, I never really thought about the, the sense of suddenness that uh, was captured uh, by this novel first sentence. So I want to incorporate that, that there, even though there's an estrangement that's been happening, that the character hasn't really recognized it yet, but that there's a, a, a moment that kind of just wakes and shakes the person up. And, and for me, when I think about this quote, I think about, you know, some people might say, hey, you got some projecting going on there. 
Mr. Hopeful Humanist, but uh, I imagine that the, the person is turning 50. And uh, in, in, uh, I, I imagine the, the, the person being uh, male, but doesn't have to be. Um, and, and he's in his midlife crisis, once again, projection. Um, and he's estranged from himself as he looks in the mirror. And he, he, he wonders, when did he lose himself? And there's this feeling of estrangement, shame, and a, a recognition that he's in deep need of connection and hope. And now I imagine that this person leaves that moment and goes out uh, to get back to the business of life, not, not in this sense, the spiritual business of life, the automated stuff, you know, autom automatic pilot stuff and gets in the car. And as he is driving, he, for whatever reason, puts on the radio station and some music starts playing that takes him back to a nostalgic moment. And then he recognizes that in this moment, his experience is just of him trying to find himself again. And that if when he, when, when the mu the various music, nostalgic music's playing, he senses that there have been many times in his life where he had to find himself even going back to that formidable period in his early adulthood as he was leaving the teen years into the adult years and the sense of like, who am I? What do I stand for? What do I represent? What is my purpose? Getting back to the Dalai Lama that we, the purpose is to seek happiness. And he's, and he's reminded of this and that the good news is, is, is as uncomfortable and as disorienting as it was for this person which at this point is still unnamed, to look into the mirror that it was a point in time and it reveals that there's this process. In the last episode, I, I said that there could be some interesting way of really grounding or situating this quote in terms of the happiness curve. And in terms of uh, the, the shape of the happiness curve, and Jonathan Roche's The Happiness Curve, curve the book. Um, the idea is that because of age and because of time, around the late 40s, early 50s, people experience this kind of, you know, pervading dissatisfaction with life. And it's not that necessarily life has had any monumentous changes, but something is, it, it, maybe we just didn't take time to reflect, we didn't take time to think, and then all of a sudden we're sitting and we're recognizing that, you know, I'm in midlife and this is where I am. And, and we're doing that, that audit in a sense. And, and that the character, how convenient, right? But, but the character then recognizes uh, and remembers reading. <laughs> Talk about leaps and stretches. The Jonathan Rausch book and senses that his, his dissatisfaction is, is a product of his age and the passage of time in his life. And that the one thing that he needs to be open to and mindful of is that with time, he can get out of the happiness curve. That in time, 
I'm wondering, um, I, I think I got a visitor. Yeah, it was Don. I'm going to see if I can get his attention. No, I can't. Don. This is a person that's uh, a very caring and loving soul. And uh, he shared something with me. Well, that was a pleasant surprise. But unfortunately, I guess our paths are not going to meet in this moment. And uh, so I wish um, Don well. So I guess I should uh, get back on track here then. So not only the sounds of life, but you know the happenings of life are also uh, unfolding uh, in, in each and every episode, which is pretty exciting. So I, I left off with a discussion about the man in the mirror recognizing that this too shall pass, I guess you could say. And that the good news is, is that these disorienting moments can be a, a point in time that can then, we can uh, transcend and move beyond. And so I've kind of captured, I think, the, uh, the, the boomph moment of the recognition of estrangement for this character and the boomph moment of uh, realizing, I will turn the corner, right? like this too shall pass and I shall be myself again, or I will find myself again, or I will continue to pursue uh, seeking happiness. And it's a process. It's an unfolding process. So this character then, I think, could become instrumental in a mentor sense, like for the novel first sentence that I introduced in a previous episode, about this uh, young person named Janice. And Janice, I mean, when we look at this, uh, for those uh, who are not uh, a part of uh, a certain previous uh, fringe culture, the, uh, the, uh, the reference to a psychonaut is uh, this idea that the young person kind of has a Timothy Leary spirit and wants to explore the depths of the mental world by experimenting with different substances and that this this young person had a an experience that they described it's described as a bad trip and that they woke up and they sensed that you know all the things that they had before them all this incredibly hedonistic uh, internal um, uh, I mean the, the the trip right like the mental trip that uh, was available to them because of the the myriad of substances that just are out there in this world in a sense uh, waiting to tempt us the, the character discovers that it's it's an empty pursuit and that there's something more important uh, and the real business and, and it identifies that this real business is the spiritual journey so this character's name is Janice J-A-N-U-S. And I imagine that uh, Janice is is an eccentric eclectic. Eccentric in, you know, just the the, the way he he dresses is is an attempt to be um, nonconformist, not not by uh, rebellious nature, just a, a lack of concern, really, 
and that uh, the person's eclectic. You know, the person's a, uh, a seeker after truth in a sense. And uh, you know, I can imagine that uh, this this young person would be philosophically minded and wanting to uh, create a you know a philosophical perspective. And uh, I imagine that uh, in terms of this pursuit of uh, um, truth, let's say. The, the young person has these different things that, you know, one tends to believe that which validates one experience, one's experience. One tends to believe that which has a practical utility. One tends to believe that which feels to be true. One tends to believe that which has convergence. One tends to believe that which opens up itself to skeptical inquiry, right? That, that, this is the, the young person. And there's a common thread that these two characters have. And I would say it is the mad thinker thread, that they both think a lot. And that the thinking at times is exciting and exhilarating and allows them to uh, create philosophical positions or um, interesting stories or poems. But at a certain point, the too much thinking, you know, can can drive someone mad, perhaps. And Thich Nhat Hanh encourages us to slow things down, right? Get back to, don't just do something, sit there. This idea of slow things down. And I sense that the two of these characters, you know, and, and this other character, uh, Janice, has also had a boomph moment. This, uh, this recognition of like, in a moment, like, I can't live like this. Life needs to be different. And, and the sense would be, you know, you can have hedonistic um, uh, trip, like good trip, mental trip, drug trip pleasures, but uh, there's gotta be more than that. And the recognition about the importance of health and the importance of community, the importance of relationship, that it's kind of starting to resonate with this young person. And that, you know, when they recognize, when they meet, that they, they have this commonality of, of being mad thinkers and recognizing that while there are positive aspects to that, there are, there are also these downsides in which that, you know, you need to be able to still the mind. So I picture them having a relationship where it, uh, it unfolds after they, they meet at a, at a coffee shop. And so I'm going to offer a novel first paragraph to include and to incorporate into this in the clouds story. And this is, this might be the place in which uh, you as listener can grab your novel first sentence and ask yourself, you know, if you were to take those two novel first sentences that I've offered, the one from uh, Danielson, and the one from myself, um, how would you thread that uh, with the novel first sentence that you have? Um, because I'm unaware of your novel first sentence, I'm going to offer a contextual, uh, something to, to set the setting in terms of where these two people will meet. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's the suggestion of um, their meeting, or it's the suggestion that there, there's going to be a conversation that has already started between the two of them. And it's at this place that has a certain spirit about it. And it, it's a coffee shop. I mean, perhaps it's the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. 
uh, I've, I previously considered it something called the greatest conversation on earth cafe and that it would be shortened to this idea of conversations. But so here is a, a novel first paragraph that I crafted about two years ago. And I'm like, you know, what are you going to do with it? And now perhaps I, it's found its home. And it goes like this. Janice decided he was going to mindfully co-author the story of his lived experience. 30 seconds earlier, he made the life-altering choice to change his name to Janice to mark this new beginning. Ironically, from the perspective of any other, the mere passage of 30 seconds would naturally have led anyone to conclude that nothing in fact had changed. He still occupied the same physical space. He was still 25. White, male, 5'6", Canadian, university-educated, homeless, single, and spiritually rudderless. Still, back there, when he was him, he had everything but nothing. Now, he had nothing but everything. His transformation, while total but not complete, was from the inside out. The exercise of this inherent life-altering agency left Janice feeling content and satisfied. With a Mona Lisa smile, he found himself inclined to just sit in the moment, be, breathe, and get out of his head and into the world to open up to the surrounding sights, sounds, smells, tastes, and textures while he waited for Sparky and the others to arrive for open mic night. So there you go. We have an in the cloud novel unfolding. We've got one character not yet named, man looking in the mirror, perhaps in his midlife. And we have Janice, who is trying to do things differently. He doesn't just want to get psychedelic. He wants to explore and nurture what is really important and essential for life. And that would be relationships, health, community, the pursuit of a meaningful existence. And we have the context, we have this place, perhaps the Hope Femus Cafe, or it's the Greatest Conversations on Earth Cafe, with a bunch of different patrons that will possibly join our conversation. And maybe the novel first sentence that you came up with would include one of those patrons that would be participating in this conversation. Now, regardless of how my story has unfolded or how your story will unfold as you attempt to try to connect these thoughts, it's just an opportunity to be playful and creative. That's one of the things that I think is really important as we navigate this tumultuous world. It's hard to be healthy in this world. And I think creativity is something that we definitely need to, to continue to foster. So thank you for joining me at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. I know that this was a little different. Uh, we went in a different direction. The Very Bad Wizards often will do a critique or a review of a contemporary novel or a contemporary movie or a classical novel of uh, some form and they'll share their thoughts and uh, I don't believe that in in their sharing there's any appeal to authority that logical fallacy and and for me as well like I, I'm not attempting to say that uh, I hold you know a, a perspective on things that 
it seems to trump other perspectives. It's just, it's one view among many. And as we share our stories, I think that they just, they, they become more exciting, more interesting, more flavorful, flavorful, more nuanced. And I'm hoping that uh, perhaps there might be further directions and ongoing conversations that we might be able to have to build upon this idea of the cloudy novel or the nebulous novel. So I'm going to give a moment to my my youngest son who uh, has decided that his cyber handle is going to be Blazing Phoenix. Uh, he's a, just a wonderful spirit, great energy, humorous little one. And uh, he asked if he could possibly participate in uh, this episode as his uh, bigger brother has been in uh, the previous two. And I said, for sure. And he decided that he wanted to say, share uh, a goodbye thought with you. And so here I hand the mic over to my youngest blazing phoenix. Thank you for listening to my dad, my brother, and Captain Jack at the Hopeful Humanist Cafe. I am Blazing Phoenix. Peace and take care, everyone.